0: To identify the 2022 rotation, bearing in mind that Ben Charrington himself has said that it could involve as many as 10 people. Go ahead and name like even half of it. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, where you found this. I can get you off to a little bit of a head start, and not necessarily in a good way, because Rowanzi Contreras is not going to open the year in Pittsburgh, barring some significant change in the labor agreement. That stops rewarding teams for burying guys in the minors longer than they need to be buried there. He still has a Super 2 issue to resolve, and I would expect him to open up in Indianapolis. Maybe regardless of Super 2. But for the rest of the group, for the rest of the group, who are you looking at? JT Brubaker's going to be back. Gave up a zillion home runs. Is he automatic? I think so. They might not. Miguel Yahure, best off-speed stuff in the entire system. Really impressed people. Last spring was hurt most of 2021. Lock for the rotation? Heck no. Heck no. Bryce Wilson showed some promise after coming over from Atlanta in the Richard Rodriguez trade. Enough to be a lock? No, not really. I mean, unless it's 10 deep, for real. Will Crow ended well. Didn't do much of anything before that. Really didn't show much stuff until he started really locating and pinpointing uh, a dynamic change-up that really altered the way his season had been going. But again, awfully late. Mitch Keller? (laughs) I'm not ready to put anything on Mitch Keller. Max Cranick, Well... He had that debut, and he had another start and change that were impressive, not anything that you'd bank on. Same goes for Dylan Peters, the lefty. Who am I forgetting here? Anybody? I There's the new guys, too. Zach Thompson is coming in the Jacob Stallings trade. He better be in the rotation just for that reason alone. Jose Quintana, the free agent that they picked up, has been told he's going to at least be allowed to compete for a spot in the rotation. And you and I can do this back and forth into infinity. I'm sure I could come up with a couple other names to throw into this mix. But it's, it's impossible to project any component of any roster, maybe most of all, a roster like the one in Pittsburgh, because we just don't know where this collective bargaining agreement will take things. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience the steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest it's a ton of fun it's a great meal and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in pittsburgh north shore tavern right across federal street from pnc park if that sounds like a cop-out whatever hey that's the state of baseball right now i didn't invent that just trying to describe it. If the Pirates were to find out that they'd be forced to spend up to a salary floor, and to repeat something I've been saying the last couple of days on the show, that never happens in a transition without some kind of grandfathering period. So no one would go from wherever the Pirates are right now, $40 million, to instantly $100 million. It's actually really, really difficult to do, unless you get weird, okay? And I don't think they want anybody doing that. But you'd have to go up. You'd have to begin the process of going up. And logic from there would dictate where would you spend the money? Where would it be put to best use? If you saw baseball adopt a salary cap type system, like the one the owners have put forth in their only proposal to date to the Players Association, which by the way, the union walked away from, then you would see the middle class of pitching become available to them. You still wouldn't see them, I don't think, partaking in, you know, bidding for Max Scherzer or whatever. But you would see them completely capable maybe don't laugh at this more capable than other teams of being able to bring in someone who's you know in the 10 to 15 million dollar range and see right there right there I felt it I just lost you I just right I I know what just happened here you heard that figure, and you heard me throw it out there casually, and you went, oh, come on, man. Would you get off that, that salary cap, that nonsense? And I can tell you that I've been here before. I lived it in 2004 with the NHL lockout, the last major transformation in professional sports from the older system to the cap-type system. And it is jarring. Things you never dreamed possible as an observer of a given franchise, like that, become not just possible, but mandatory. So if you're Ben Charrington, and you're looking at that rotation and all those names... I just read to you and someone tells you, hey, Ben, you know, they just passed this uh, CBA here and you've got to get the payroll from 40 million to 70 million before anyone shows up in Bradenton. Where do you think he's putting the money? Where do you think he's going to invest most of that available space? Yeah, it's going to be pitching. I'm not saying they don't have other needs. I'm not saying they wouldn't benefit from adding a first baseman, a corner outfielder, or five. Certainly a backup catcher. Some bullpen help. But realistically, you're talking about another starting pitcher or two. And then you can take the rest of these guys and start moving them around a little bit into roles or levels in which they belong. You might be able to say, for example, okay, Dylan Peters, lefty, gets some people out, You know, doesn't really profile as any kind of uh, long-term starter or anything. Maybe he's somebody that you add into the bullpen mix. You start looking at them a little bit differently once you start bumping people down the depth chart. And the reason I'm focusing on one signing instead of multiple signings is something that Charrington himself said, and that is that if and when they bring people in as free agents, and they've already signed two between Quintana and the catcher, Roberto Perez, the last thing they'd want to do is block roster spots off and keep younger players from having a place to play when it's their time, when they're ready to be promoted to Pittsburgh. So you get yourself one really good player, you know, from that middle stack, if you want to call it that. One of those guys, the 10 to 15 million guys. Bring one of those in, set the tone for the rest of the group, make sure you've got a hole for... Contreras and Yohure and anybody else who might open the mythical 2022 season and make their way up to Pittsburgh yeah a little more plausible now no still not buying it whatever okay we'll be back uh we'll do just one question after this who asks dk is it brian reynolds or K- Brian hayes whose team is it with a vocal leader and jacob stalling's gone who will step into the veteran leader role and be the quote-unquote face of this very young squad could adding a big name veteran free agent like K- touch maybe ease that burden well, to start off with, with Kutch, Mark, uh, Kutch has tweeted himself that the Pirates have not been in contact with him yet. If they hadn't been in contact with him uh, pre-lockout, that's not going to happen. Uh, that's a move that if you want to make it and you're the Pirates, you go ahead and accelerate that. And for them to not even have reached out is, is pretty telling. So I would, I would get him out of the noggin when it comes to any kind of return here. As for whose team is it between Reynolds and Hayes, I'm going to come back with a great, big, gigantic, uber-supersized Venti neither. It is not either of their teams when it comes to leadership. And by the way, for as much as I think of Stallings and everything that he did in Pittsburgh, when you're talking about the veteran leader role, don't confuse Stallings and his work with the pitching staff as being the rah-rah guy in the locker room. That absolutely was not at any point Stallings. And it won't be Stallings in Miami either. That's taking nothing away from him. It's not taking anything away from Reynolds or Hayes. You can't force a personality on someone. They can show you that they are competitive. They can show you that they're dedicated to use the baseball parlance. It's about how they uh, go about their business. That's what you hear constantly from managers, coaches, and the players themselves. They respect how someone goes about their business. In that spirit, sure, Reynolds and Hayes can be that. Reynolds is a a quiet, soft-spoken, deep-voiced... Just throwing that in there for the heck of it. Guy who just really doesn't say all that much. When Joe Musgrove was here, and he was really probably the last guy who was that that vocal, everybody get behind me kind of guy... Musgrove and a couple other players in that room tried really hard to bring more of the vocal leadership traits out of both Reynolds and Kevin Newman. This is when Reynolds and Newman both had the outstanding rookie seasons in 2019. It went nowhere, okay? I mean, Reynolds just isn't that guy. And if you're smart, you just let him be. You don't want anything to change from the way that guy uh, plays the game and the way he produces. Leave him alone. Key is a a little different. Key is he's probably even more soft-spoken than Reynolds is. Uh, He understands the way the game is supposed to be approached and played. The son of a major leaguer. And he's into all of the various team bonding type things. But he's not ever going to be the one to stand in front of the room and let people hear it. He's not that guy either. I strongly suspect that... This team doesn't have that player yet. And if it does, neither the team nor the player himself is aware of it. When you go back to 2021, and I understand nobody wants to hear who were the great locker room leaders or team that lost 101 games, but the question was posed, so I'm trying to answer it. Tyler Anderson was that guy through the better part of the first half of the season before he was traded. But you know he wasn't around even till the end. You had guys who were uh, loud and visible, in Wilmer Defoe and Stephen Brault. But we're talking about Wilmer Defoe and Stephen Brault, neither of whom is on the team right now, either. The only player that Derek Shelton would man would would uh, mention over the course of a season as being that type, the inspirational type, was Defoe. So I don't know that this player is here yet, and I don't think we have to try to anoint anyone uh, in the interim. When it happens, it happens. You know, If you want me to throw a name out there, though, who I think might fit that bill, and this is a great big mite, because he hasn't been here very long, but he definitely has the personality for it, is Michael Chavis. Uh, This is a really, really loud dude who makes himself seen and heard and everything else, and says all the right stuff, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one tomorrow.